And now, the moment you've all been waiting for. Yes. In a world. You know, it's a, a post-apocalyptic Japanese samurai feudal southern U.S. state copy picking Game of Thrones family type scenario with no guns, just swords. It's my favorite kind of show yeah. <laughs> of that genre, anyway. Of that genre. <laughs> Good evening and welcome to Is It A Bicycle, Season 9, Episode 21, the original and bestest ever TV and movie podcast. My name is Stephen Wrigley and I'll be your host for this evening. Beside me I have a lady who says there's a reason why so many love songs have the word crazy in them. <laughs> it's Shona, I love Canada, or Flaherty. Live from Vegas, we have a man who says a good weekend is defined by the number of photos he has to untag afterwards. It's Sean. Leonard. <sighs> and in the red corner, it's our cuddly killer. A man who this week said, ever notice it's never your successful friends posting inspirational quotes. It's Mark, superhero Leonard. Oh. <laughs> was that you, Sean? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was you. Right. <laughs> this week, we'll be discussing some movies in the shape of Creed and Brooklyn, and some TV in the form of Into the Badlands and The Expanse. Of course, we'll have the usuals with the news and some previews and come to a bicycle near you. So how are we doing, folks? Hey, guys. How you doing? Good. Excellent. Good. Excellent. Have you been busy? What you've been doing? Oh, so busy. Fucking, I'm going to be undertaking a Herculean task at the end of the semester over here at UNLV. Um, I'm going to sit down at some point over the next three days and bang out 80, approximately 88 pages of a feature screenplay for one of my classes. Jesus. Wow. Yeah. Is that due to procrastination, Sean? Is there any way you could have planned your time better so as not to have to write 88 pages in three days? So here's my here's my bullshit reason, right? I've been writing a monumental amount of poetry this semester, like just like it's been pouring out, like like if treacle was actually a different liquid that poured really easily, you know, just like right out of the bottle. Like water, um, water is a yeah, poison yeah, yeah, yeah. For instance, well, that's a, probably a good one, yeah. But as you can see, the wellspring has dried up. Yeah, your education is doing wanna, you like, a lot of favors, Sean. I just I just didn't want to like interrupt one type of writing with another. So I, I've been putting it off for a long time. And now those debts are coming due. I'm going to get workshopped on the 10th of December, which means they need that script uh, by about the 8th. So it's coming. Oh, wow. Okay. Mm. Um, so you've been doing this in between what? Watching The Walking Dead? Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, to be honest, it's mostly Walking Dead. Um, so let me just give you a quick uh I'm just going to jump in there, Sean, before you keep going. I'm just going to jump in and compliment Steve on his hosting there. <laughs> because he took Sean talking about writing with pen and paper and transferred it somehow to a conversation about television. Well done, Steve. <laughs> Which is, you know, that is what this podcast is about. But to be honest, Steve, I'm just not ready. Why don't you tell the good listeners about your trip up to Donegal to visit me with our good buddy, Mike? <laughs> well, alleged good buddy. I mean, so, where is he today? Right. You want to know what I did this weekend? Yeah. Yeah. I took Mike the McDonough McDonough and we went up through snow and ice. Jeez. Yeah, I tell you. Are you serious? It's yeah, like Canadian driving yeah, yeah, experiences. Real, like we weren't expecting it, which made it worse, actually. Yeah, that would so, be. So uh, we got up late, about 11, but we still went out and had five pints, you know. So. Fair play. You <laughs> persevered. <laughs> uh, the local was nice. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so uh, we went up to meet all the crew, um, the new additions to the family and... Um, Very nice. The existing uh, family. 
Yeah, so that was great. There was yeah, a barman there that yeah. didn't want us to leave for some reason. Yeah, he, 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 was, he was like, uh, you sure you don't want to lock in? Like, you know, you, you can stay. You know. <laughs> he sounds sound. Yeah, it was it was quite late, wasn't it? It was 2 o'clock in the morning or something. And he it was, was about like, 2 when we yeah. got home, but we got home because we decided to leave. Yeah. <laughs> Not because there was any external pressure trying to get us out. Like, it was really yeah. strange. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah, if it hadn't been another night... We'd probably have taken them up in the offer, but after four hours of driving <laughs> after Friday. in the dark. Do you know, I would have yeah. liked a camera in the car for Steve and Mike driving to Donegal. I feel like that could be its own TV show. <laughs> gotcha. Never we could have recorded that. all of that and just put that out this week instead. <laughs> yeah, this week's podcast. Spliced with conversation once they get to Donegal with Mark. Yeah, yeah. I would listen to that podcast. <laughs> well, speaking uh, of mindless creatures shambling the countryside, uh, I've watched a lot of The Walking Dead. Um, <laughs> Good segue. And just to, just just to give a non-spoiler recap of the entire plot of the eight episodes this season, they just there's loads of fucking zombies everywhere, guys, and that's really tough to deal with. <laughs> it's it's been an amazing eight episode run where literally it's just they have a place that they're trying to protect, and there was a fuckload of zombies nearby that they knew were eventually going to get to them. So they're like, all right. We need to do something about them. And then it's just a bunch of shit happening, most of which is shit going wrong. And there was some, mm, there was some, ama- there have been some amazing moments like in this season so far. Uh, and it all just, a lot, a lot of it just culminated in, I think my favorite, if this was a category at the bikies, it would like take it for me easily. My favorite, um, zombie, uh, or not zombie death, but my favorite, um, reaction to being about to die because of zombies ever uh there was a there was an episode called start to finish there the last week uh, and somebody just had this great line where where you know decisions had to be made about what was going to happen if x y and z like getting bit or if you like you know were left behind or whatever and somebody was just like like when the time comes i'll do it it's my life start to finish and there is this just amazing uh, sequence in the episode. I have, I really wanted to go to my bikey's nominations list and add in a new best actress nomination just for, for that episode. But yeah, get on it. Anyone who hasn't watched The Walking Dead in a while, season six is amazing so far. Is it better than Z Nation? No, it couldn't be better than Z Nation. <laughs> <laughs> Stupid question. Did you see anything this week? Um, yeah. Yeah, I can't remember a lot of it because I'm pretty sleep deprived. Mm-hmm. Let me see. What have I been watching? You know, I can't even remember. There's a lot of America's Next Top Model reruns that are on at noon every day. I watch oh, that when I get back from the gym. <laughs> <laughs> I actually You've can't. You've seen all those already, haven't you? <laughs> it's pretty bad. Yeah, you yeah. have, yeah. <laughs> uh, um, yeah, I haven't, I didn't get to a whole lot either. No. Up to date in Fargo, up to date in elementary. I, I will say I've stopped watching Supergirl. I got two episodes in and I was like, no, it's going the wrong direction for oh, me. Oh, really? What's yeah. happening? Well, no, it's just, you know, the first episode I was like, okay, this is, you know, they they go to a length to explain some of the things that people might find outdated or annoying about the show. And I thought there's potential here, but it's just, it's really kind of Nickelodeon and uh, there's no uh, depth and it's just, uh, it's an embarrassment to the super brand. Okay. <laughs> So I've given up on it. I stopped recording it. It's not serious enough. Though. It's not serious enough. Yeah, there's nothing there to bite your teeth into. Okay, okay, yeah. Uh, yeah, the feeling. Actually, uh, it's something I want to talk about later. We're talking about the expanse. Anyway, talk about it later. Um, 
Yeah, okay. Let's move on. Let's go to the news. So Stallone is in the news. He is on board to be executive producer on a new potential TV series called Rambo New Blood. How about that? It is uh, set a bit. It's set uh, twenty years, I think, on from the movie, and it's about Rambo and his son, who is an ex Navy SEAL or something. I can feel the excitement <laughs> in the air. I thought the well, guys were jumping over each other. If, he, if he's not, Jesus. if he's not an, an ex Navy SEAL, then he's probably an ex something even better than a Navy SEAL. <laughs> I think this is this is a waste. This is a waste of time. I think Steve, the last Rambo was so terrible, so very very terrible that uh, I don't think it's recoverable. Oh really? And it's been well, like he was on a machine gun truck, <laughs> and then he ran away from it on a wee errand. Then he came back after killing a few guys hand-to-hand, which he could have shot with the machine gun truck. <laughs> then he runs back to the machine gun truck because he had some unfinished business with that machine gun. And then he machine gun trucked more people. Right. Yay. Yeah. You know, it's and that was that, like that would explain meant to why, be a cool uh, sequence. That would explain why the sequel is on ice indefinitely. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I see. Mm-hmm. Okay. I, I think... Okay. I'm just wondering, like, is it is he going to be in it? Is it going to be dealing with father son issues it's, slash? It's not sure. Mommy whether... daughter PTSD. Like, what's? <laughs> they don't know if he'll be on screen yet or not. They don't know if there's a role mm-hmm. on screen, but it will be uh, revolving around Rambo and his son anyway. Um, That's his name. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Ramboid. Um, <laughs> so. Marvel Studios is reporting that Captain America's trailer broke Marvel's own record with 61 million global views in its first 24 hours, which is almost double mm-hmm. the previous record, which was held by Age of Ultron at 34 million. So mm-hmm. there seems to be a lot of excitement about this. Mm-hmm. We'll talk about that trailer more later. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, give, it gives everybody time to go watch the trailer and then come back to us when we're reviewing it later this very podcast. Yeah, exactly. Haftar Bjornsson, you know who he is. Is that a name? I just heard a lot of vowels. Mountain. He played the mountain. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. What's his name? Haftar Bjornsson. Where is he from? Uh, Iceland. Is that Scandinavian? Iceland. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. So he has... Uh, bro- uh, Westeros. <laughs> <laughs> so he's broken his own Guinness World Record again um, at an event in Sweden last weekend. Um, he managed to throw a, a 15 kilo beer keg over his head and clear a bar at seven meters. No. Yeah. Um, a feat described by Giants Live, which is the Swedish event, as the equivalent of throwing a four-year-old over three buses stacked on top of each other. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> when, you, when, you, when you put it that way. Yeah, exactly, yeah. So, um, yeah, he won the, the event overall anyway. But uh, the other two dudes that are that were second and third, they weren't that far off them, actually. Are you serious? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Massive as long as deal. no one's practicing by throwing four-year-olds over buses, that's, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think, the critical thing to take away here. Yeah, that's true. Okay, maybe the guys will get excited about this. <laughs> guys, Predator, the Predator sequel script is finished. Predator 3. Four. Isn't it so four? So Predators again. Yes. Oh, Predators. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Predator 4. I am excited about that. That's excellent news. Good. Good. <laughs> Where is it set? I though? mean... Yeah. Nothing revealed, but they just said that it uh, deals with sort of um, the beginnings and the reboot, or the reboot, or the sequel, sorry, um, will be like nothing you would imagine they would have done. 
and it'll be so very pre-Arnie, <laughs> like it'll be in a jungle somewhere before Arnie, mm. where they'll be in a jungle and somebody won't say, "Get to the chopper." Get to the chopper. <laughs> Here I am. Get out get of the chopper. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't. I don't. I don't know. I don't know, Steve. Carrie Fisher. She's awfully upset with the mm. with the movie business. Really? Yeah. Anything in, in specifically or just in general? Um, because she was told she had to lose weight for the new Star Wars movie as bosses Ooh, no, no. only wanted to hire three quarters of her. Ooh. Yeah, so she had to lose 35 pounds. Now, she said it wasn't Holy that shit. She said it wasn't but that she's big quite a deal for her. But small what? already, isn't she? Yeah, she is, yeah. yeah. She said, you know, it's kind of comfortable in my skin and it, you know, didn't really, you know, you, they say that you feel better and fitter and stronger and happier and she was like, nah, I don't. No. <laughs> I'm good. No, thanks. No, it was good the way it was. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, she said, "Yeah, I just have to go for the superficial bullshit again." Yeah, yeah. yeah that's all they want is, well. yeah, skinny, good-looking people. Which Mark will be glad to hear. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's start with the first of our movies, which was um, Brooklyn. Shona. Yes. So Brooklyn is a new film um, starring Saoirse Ronan. It is, the screenplay was written by Nick Hornby, um, but it's based on a novel by an Irish writer named Colm Tobin. Um, and it's set in 1950s Brooklyn. It's the story of an Irish girl who emigrates to Brooklyn. And then circumstances bring her back to Ireland and she basically has to choose between, uh, her new home or her old home. Um, it's, a fantastic film. I I was interested in seeing the film anyways because myself, having emigrated from Canada over the waters here to Ireland, uh, I wanted to go see a film about immigration, knowing I would be crying most of the film. Mm-hmm. Um, and as soon as I sat down in the cinema, I had like a facepalm moment where I realized that none of the makeup I put on that day was waterproof, ah. which is like rookie mistake number one, going to see Crybait like Brooklyn. Uh, but I persevered. I think I had tissues anyway on account of having a baby. They're usually near or around me <laughs> at any given wipes. moment. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Anything will do for the money mascara. Yeah. Um, this is such a beautiful film. It's, um, and what I really have to say I liked about it first off is that Obviously, it's going to be quite an emotional film, and I think Colm Tobin in his book, or Nick Hornby in his Nick screenplay, Hornby, yeah, yeah. Um, there's a lot of depth of character that comes through, but it isn't a film that kind of makes you want to give up on life. You know, some films that you know are all are going to be tearjerkers, you just think like, I can't watch that again. Yeah. Um, a River Runs Through It, you know, starring Brad Pitt. Yeah. I remember when I watched that film, just thinking that there was no more joy left in the world when that film finished. Right. And it's the kind of film that you think, I'm never going to watch that again. It's the saddest place I've ever had to go to. And really depressing films sometimes just take everything out of you. But this is not a depressing film. Um, it's a very moving film about, I suppose, the different stages of what it's like to have to leave your home country. Um, everything that you miss, but everything that you know you're getting in your new country that maybe your old home didn't have. Yeah. Um, and then the very difficult settling in process we see once she arrives, uh, in Brooklyn, she has a very tumultuous, uh, boat ride over, um, once she leaves Ireland to get to Brooklyn and it's very difficult, choppy waters and she's sharing a bunk. She's sick. She is sick. Yeah. She yeah. gets really seasick. Great. Um, but she's sharing a bunker with, uh, I can't remember, is she an Irish woman as well? Or, no, I think she's an American woman, um, who's very glamorous and, you know, has her hair and her makeup done and she knows the ropes of, uh, of these trips. And so she tells Saoirse Ronan's character, you know, uh, you, you know, you shouldn't be eating. It's going to make you sick. Um, 
you know, how to share a bathroom with um, other women on the on the deck when everyone's getting seasick. And uh, um, she's kind of, you know, very green in both yeah. her face and also in her naivete. Um, so she arrives in, in Brooklyn kind of wide-eyed and uh, really not knowing what to make of this world. She's living in a border house with um, a woman and maybe five or six other other young women. She gets a job in a department store. Uh, her boss is played by... Um, What's her name? Pare. She's, um, in Mad, in Mad Men. Don Draper's wife, Megan. I can only think of her last name as Pare. Anyways, she plays the, her boss in this department store and she's a very sad looking girl when she first starts working there. You know, she's very homesick and she and her sister are writing letters back and forth all the time. Um, but we eventually see, and I think there's a great nuance of Saoirse Ronan's acting here, is that it's very subtle, but there's bit by bit, she's becoming more and more comfortable in Brooklyn. You know, she kind of decides to start uh, fixing her skin and maybe doing her hair a bit more, um, finding things that she enjoys. And of course, one of those things is that she, um, Jessica Barry, one of the things is that she starts taking an evening class and she meets um, a boy and uh, at a dance and they start falling in love and um when she gets the call that she has to go home something's happened it's amazing that by the time she gets back to ireland it's like she this gradual transformation that's been happening in brooklyn is really stark and obvious by the time she's back in ireland she looks like a fish out of water you know she has a bright yellow um, dress on that she wears at the, uh, when she <laughs> gets there. Else is great. Exactly. Brown, yeah. <laughs> She's got uh, <laughs> this bright clothes, you know, bright red lipstick. Her hair is done. Uh, there's a great scene when they I go to the know. beach and, um, all of her Irish friends at the beach are kind of changing from their clothes into the swimming costumes by holding a towel up around themselves. Mm. Um, where she kind of comes with her bathing costume on underneath her clothes, which is a trick she learned in Brooklyn. Yeah. And they're all kind of, you know, ooing and eyeing at her. And of course her bathing suit's much more flattering and flashy than everyone else's. Yeah. Um, and you really notice by the time she gets back home that, wow, she's a bit of a fish out of water here. So you wonder how she's going to handle all that homesickness and whether it's going to come back to her because she has a very compelling reason to go back to Brooklyn. Um, so despite all, you know, there's, there's very nuanced and layered uh, colorings of her emotional development through having to go through the upheaval of getting to Brooklyn and then also coming home and, and the reason that she's back home. But there's some really funny moments as well, you know, that, um, I'd say immigrants everywhere can laugh at when, you know, you don't understand how to do something that maybe the locals take for granted, you know, yeah. her, her, her co-boarders have to give her a lesson in how to eat spaghetti because it's a food she's never had before and um yeah there was a lot of of very funny moments actually that were well written and very well acted um about what it's like being a fish out of water something that uh, i can certainly relate to sean i'm sure you've had a few of those moments yourself yeah sure yeah Yeah. i no, i I was gonna say like i once ate a tamale without knowing what that was (laughs) so i just bit directly down on the husk like of this food and someone had to like put their hand on my hand and be like sean <laughs> sean and i went it's a bit tough and they were like yeah you don't need that it's... <laughs> we, we had a we had a, a very good one in um uh in, in korea there, there was you know you're giving out little finger food in mm-hmm. bars most bars you know and the, there's a little thing with a little bit of water in, in it to put on the thing as well um but it's kind of sometimes it can be kind of brown and stuff you know and so one of the guys that was with us was taking some of the, the little snacks and dipping it into this and he was eating it away. 
why are you dipping that into the ashtray? You know. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> no idea. <laughs> it's brutal. Anyway. Mm. Yes. Uh, I'm just going to uh, say Mike has these every day because you know he's Canadian as well. I do know uh, that. Yeah, yeah. He's my yeah. brother in arms. <laughs> That's it. Um, there's a great moment actually in, in the film where, um, non-spoiler, you know, Saoirse Ronan goes back to Ireland and she's really kind of picked up the the forwardness and the assertiveness um right. from living in America you know this kind of meek quiet unsure irish girl is gone yeah, yeah. and um you know she's in the car with her best friend and a few boys and before she had left for for america you know she and her her best friend would kind of go out looking for men and you know there's all the giggling and whatever goes along with um trying to meet them so yeah her best friend comes to pick her up with two boys in the car. It's kind of like a welcome home present. Right. <laughs> and um, I think they're expecting her to be this kind of shy, meek Irish girl. Yeah. But instead, she's just a, is, one of them is played by Donald Gleeson, by the way. Oh, I, he's, just, he's I a, love more and more. Yeah, 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 um, and she just cuts him in half. And she's just like, well, you all look the same anyways with your oiled hair and your blazers because they're all part of a rugby club. Uh-huh. And she just cuts them in half. And it's, uh, oh, it's great. It's... um. I don't know what else I can really say about the film. There is, um, the, I think they did a great job of showing the, the, the pull and the, the push from why you want to leave a home and the fact that nothing can ever replace home. Um, Sir Sharonin's performance is nuanced and beautiful and very emotive. And Nick Hornby's screenplay, um, does a great job of giving all the characters room to breathe so that this story can be told, um, uh, with a lot of emotion that's both funny and sad it's not just a tearjerker film hmm. um it's actually one of my favorite films of the year i love this film wow um so yeah i'd rate it very highly wow so is this going to feature at the bikies it is going to feature at the bikies wow. yeah unless this unless there's something that can topple it between now and december which is like three weeks away <laughs> well look you know i haven't seen a bad review for it really and uh rotten tomatoes is getting 99 percent. it's so good yeah and 93 from audiences yeah you know so yeah yeah. It's great. And the, the supporting cast are so good as well. Like, there's, um, the guy that Sarah Sharonin meets when she's in Brooklyn is just the sweetest guy and getting to meet his family and how he shows this Irish girl around. It's just, there isn't a character that's wasted in the film. Um, right. There's like the mean, the mean woman in, in um, Ennis Gorthy, which is where the Irish portion is, is based. Oh, is it? Yeah. All right. And she runs, um, uh, a general shop and she's just so mean and i think every town probably has this type of person who's yeah. nosy in everyone's business yeah, she yeah. makes all the girls that work in her shop go to mass before they open i mean it's just mm. it's such it's just such a good film there's there's nothing that's wasted in this film and i'd highly recommend it cool yeah so now yes i've been preparing for this moment <laughs> you're gonna market what am i gonna market yeah I think for the films I've seen this year, I'm going to give this a 9 out of 10. Wow. I actually can't wait to see it again. Really? Yep. It's a film, because it's a film that's based on such lovely characters, um, it's the kind of film I think you could watch over and over again, because the performances are just so nuanced that I think you get something new out of it, or you'd enjoy the performance anew every time. So, 9 out of 10 for me, and I look forward to seeing it again. Wow. Yeah. I think you're going to have to see this. I think you should. Yeah. Cool. I think you might like it. Um, pretty good. Pretty good. Um, okay. Let's go to the first of our TV, which is Into the Badlands. This is a funny fish. Yes. In a world. <laughs> you know, it's, uh, 
A post-apocalyptic Japanese samurai feudal southern U.S. state cotton-picking Game of Thrones family-type scenario with no guns, just swords. It's my favorite kind of show yeah. <laughs> of that genre, anyway. Of that genre. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we're introduced to First Sonny, uh, who's played by Daniel Wu. Uh, he's the head killer or regent uh, for a baron called Quinn, played by Celeborn from Lord of the Rings, which is uh, Martin Skoskas. Sko. Cass, Skullcast. Um, he's very loyal and murders people for him. Mm-hmm. Um, he finds a boy called MK. Murders them spectacularly. Oh, yeah, yeah, Let's yeah. Let's just a, add that a, adverb. Your normal run the mill murdering. No, so, no it's no, 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 fancy it's a, murdering. Yeah, yeah, very fancy. Um, and he's practiced a lot of it. <laughs> um, he finds a boy called MK, which is played by Aramis Knight, who we saw in Ender's Game. Yes. And brings him back to Baron Quinn's fort to train to be a murderer as well. A very fancy murderer. Yeah. Uh, so he's got a he's got a lot of boys there training uh, mm-hmm. to be murdered. There are other barons. Uh, we don't know much about the Badlands, and neither do the characters. <laughs> um, but we do know that uh, something exists outside of it, and some of them want to get there. Um, there's a bit of intermittent dialogue in this. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's not uh, going to win. It any goes of. between the fighting scenes. In between, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Fantastic beatdowns. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so yeah. Um, so what do we think? What did you think? Oh, I think I, I, you know what? Uh, initially, first half of it, I wasn't that sure. I was on the fence, right? And then I saw a couple of more spectacular beatdowns, and I went, "Well, yeah. it's entertaining. The fighting's really good. It's pretty spectacular. Yeah, it and is. And they've obviously done a lot of practice. And uh, there was a bit of hook at the end, and I went, "Yeah, I want to see the second half." See, I know that we have talked before on this podcast, yeah. and you and Mark have. Yeah weighed in on um, directing of fight scenes and I would mm. like to hear your opinions on, on that aspect because I thought it looked well, pretty amazing. That's interesting because I don't think Mark would like this no. for its fight scenes. Really? Yeah. But because I, I know he's not he's not a big fan of the the sort of uh, Crouching Tiger Hidden Dragon stuff. Right. I wouldn't say that there is a Crouching t- Tiger Hidden Dragon element to the fight direction. No. Although, obviously, there is. It's heavily kind of martial arts slanted. It's very kind of yeah. um, Asian fighting, you know, yeah. sword play, <sighs> martial arts stuff. So yeah. I shouldn't call it Asian yeah. fighting. Well, Japanese <laughs> martial arts cinema style. Well, there's a. That's actually, what I was, meant to say. There were a couple of arm bars thrown in there as well, so it wasn't all. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it wasn't that pure, let's say. But um, yeah, it's hybrid. Yeah, I went to watch the second one. Really? What did you think? Yeah, good. Does it live up entertaining, to entertaining? And you know, it's visual chewing them. It's a really easy watch. Yeah. And I liked it, so I went to watch the third one. And? And I'm going to watch the rest. <laughs> <laughs> so we already know your verdict on yeah, this yeah, show. Yeah. <laughs> See, I thought, like, when I began the episode, I think they did a great job of establishing what the show is about in the first scene, which is, you know, that, yeah. that fight scene. Yeah. Um, Sunny comes across um, a heap of bodies, sees some smoke in the forest in the distance, goes yeah. and confronts the crowd there. Awesomeness ensues. And I mean, I wasn't. I had no idea what to expect from this show. I knew from the credits because the the the, the credits of the Badlands had kind of like splashed blood kind of things. Yeah. So like you know, yeah. you you have a feel about what the show is going to be like, what the tone of it's going to yeah, be like. Yeah. yeah. Um. But that first fight scene, I mean, it's gruesome. There is blood. There's a lot of audio sounds for cracking bones. <laughs> um. And you're like, okay, I know what this is going to be. But then when we see Sunny take uh, N.K. back to the Baron's, uh, I don't know, palace. It it reminded me of almost like um, a fort, 
it's bigger than a fort. It's like yeah. Chinese dynasty, you know, oh, yeah, with yeah. like the huge uh, f- pillars and the big wall and you're entering mm. and then all these kind of boys inside fighting. And this guy that they brought home, it turns out, has this like weird supernatural power thing that I wish we had seen more of. Oh, yeah, that was really cool. Beast mode. Yeah, beast yeah, yeah, mode. Yeah, that's yeah. exactly <laughs> it. Like his eyes. It actually reminds me of the transformation in, in uh, Jekyll and Hyde, you know, like yeah. his eyes kind of yeah. go all like, exactly. yeah. and then he becomes like super ninja killer. Like, yeah. That was really awesome. So I think almost for him alone, I'd want to see more. To see, I want to see more of that guy. There was a there was a pretty cool trick that they showed. You know, the catching the shard of glass. Yes, you know, and whipping it in a guy's oh, face. Hadn't seen that before. <laughs> you know, and I didn't expect the the results. You know, I, 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 I didn't think it was going to be as uh, graphic as it was. Yeah, but, uh, but it's on the car- comic book style, and you know, mm. I don't know whether we're just I don't know what do you call it. Not immune to it, but. Um, Overexposed. Oh, exposed. Desensitized. Yeah. Yeah. Desensitized. Thanks, Sean. Yeah. 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 Um, But I I just, I didn't, I wasn't shocked. I was like, oh, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly where you should have drawn. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Oh, it's the glass shard and the eyeball trick. You know, we've all learned that (laughs) one before. (laughs) I, um, one of the things I really liked about this episode was the characterization of Sonny. We see him really kind of being torn um, between, I think, wanting to get away from this yeah. world that he's obviously been roped into, but being spectacular. We keep using this word spectacular. Mm. I'm going to have to use another word. Mm. Being very good. <laughs> <Amazing>. <laughs> being incredible <laughs> at, uh, you know, being part of this world yeah. um, to the point where he has tattoos on his back of... I, I'm guessing everyone that he's killed because yeah. it's just like, you know, the four lines with the fifth line yeah. through it kind of thing and yeah. they're covering his back. Um, and after he kills a bunch of people, he, we see him back in the tattoo chair getting some more of those. Yeah. Um, so I'm really curious to see a bit more about where the character Sonny goes because he's obviously the, the most trusted right-hand man to the Baron, but also we know that he might want to go elsewhere. So. Yeah. You know the, you know the character, the widow. The, Yes, they've only talked about the widow. We don't yeah. meet the widow, right? Oh, you have to watch episode two. Really? Yeah. <gasps> oh, yeah. Dun, dun, yeah, Shona, I think you'll come back on next week and talk about the widow. Okay. Yeah, yeah. All right, that'll be my homework yeah. for next week. Emily then. Beecham plays her, by the way. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, uh, she's she's got all kinds of skills. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, <laughs> Amazing. Wid- the yeah. widow features heavily in this episode by name only because she yeah. has uh, she is looking for this boy, N.K., um, and we don't know why or who the widow is. So yeah, we all we know is this link to that sort of you know the the this land that he comes the from, the cityscape. Yeah, yeah, um, that he has on a an amulet. Yeah, his, yeah, his neck and it appears on uh what um, what is a compass that uh, yeah, it's like a, a, a pocket watch or something. Ago. Yeah, ages ago. Yeah, and then she has a book. And, uh, you know, it's, it's there's some kind of tenuous link that I'm assuming that like, we'll learn I more. What's outside our world? Yeah. You know, so it's yeah. Because the Badlands are obviously just vast yeah. space where nothing happens except for a murdering. Really, you're safest with the barons, but also it's a very cruel world to grow up in. It's funny, it's got a bit of Mad Max about it as well. It does. Yeah. Bit of, bit of many films actually. Sean, what did you think? So it's interesting, right? Because. I the first fight scene that we see in this, which is like, I mean, it gets right into it. Like the action is paced, I think, very well in this. Yeah, I agree. Um, and and there's reasons for that, like as well. It's not just that. Okay, now it's time for a fight scene. Like there are reasons, and I appreciate when they fight and when they choose not to, um, because of politics or what have you, you know. And 
the first fight scene is kind of it's gruesome in the sense of that all these people are dying but it's also tonally it's like strangely the deaths are strangely comedic like there's yeah. this thing where like he pulls the one guy's legs all the way <laughs> up to where his head is and breaks his neck that's exactly what I, I was, was thinking of by the way when you talked about the comedic deaths I'm like he's gonna talk about the legs thing <laughs> Yeah, and I and I was just kind of like, this seems okay. So if it's going to be that kind of show, am I now going to get a bunch of you know like uh, I don't know what you what you'd even call it like chic- like chicanery and capering? Like, what is this really going to be like? Because it then goes into digging a mass grave, and then the guy cracks a joke where he's like, "What's your name?" Like Sonny, and he's like, "Oh, is that because you brighten up every room you're in?" And I'm like, "Where? Okay, what kind of show is this going to be?" Because I, yeah. it's like, it's weird. It's atonal. It's like, there's this really fucking serious shit, and then there's that. And for the whole time, until I started thinking about it for the podcast, I wasn't really sure, because there's another fight later on. A beautiful, deadly, in no way funny, really well lit, let's fight in the rain, because we're all badass, mm-hmm. fight. <laughs> and I realized that it comes down to, there's a scene where he's getting the tattoos for the guys he kills in the opening of the episode. And he's like, you know, he used to look forward to coming here. As in, basically, he used to enjoy his work. He used to, like, kill a bunch of people in interesting, fun ways, probably because after a while you need to find new ways to do it to keep interested, which is a fucked up thing to do. Like, that's a really, like, that's kind of, that's telling. So I kind of feel like the first fight we see is him going, like, he leaves his sword down and walks over to them knowing there's going to be a fight. Yeah. Yeah. So to me, that means one, incredible confidence or arrogance in his skill. And maybe the reason that he kills them the way he kills them is because he enjoys it. Or maybe it's because he thinks that they've, or he already knows that they've done wrong and what they've done is particularly abhorrent to him. Or it's a little bit of both. I don't really know. But then later on, it's literally kill or be killed. And he just fucking murders people. Um, which is interesting because it's still the same style of fighting. Like, he's very much a movement fighter. Like, he's very well trained, it seems, in, uh, like, avoiding his multiple enemies and using the surrounding environment to flip around in ways that they can't really plan for so he can't be surrounded easily. Um, so I like that that was maintained. But beyond stuff like that, I would say that the characterization is, is pretty much, it's, it's mythic and it's sketched. Like, what do we have? We have the killer you know, who is burdened by the weight of the deeds he has had to commit out of a sense of duty and loyalty. Can he be a good man? Is he a good man? We have uh, the child seeking uh, his family, uh, who is of great importance to many, like, feuding clans. It's very much of that, but it's done in this very stylish way. Like, not just because they do have, like, motorbikes and a bunch of Aryan kids getting, you know, eyeball glassed like you know like it it is an interesting mix and i can only imagine that the world is going to be expanded you know Mm -hmm. more specifically and interestingly in the following episodes yeah because beyond because beyond that the characterization is is pretty blunt which i don't necessarily dislike i don't usually like it but i don't dislike it so i think i'm very interested to see where it goes but i'm kind of hoping i'm kind of hoping that there'll be more layered layered things or maybe maybe more stuff like you know, the idea of the fighting style maybe telling us more about his character. Or else I'm just reading way too fucking much into the show <laughs> about a guy who kills people. <laughs> no, but Sean, I would say that 
do you think that the job of a pilot to kind of suck you in to want more that it succeeds here because you I think it hints at a lot behind the characters it may not get into it but it's enough to make you think I would watch more to find out about who this kid NK is what Sonny's gonna do you know what's up with these world of you know five barons yeah I mean yeah I guess so there's a thing that people say um the difference between literature and genre is that in literature we're all it's all about character and in genre it's all about plot and i really much prefer cuz with tv we should see characters through their actions instead of people telling us about them so i appreciate that it holds to that but i guess i'm just wondering if there's going to be more subtlety i think it does do a good job as a pilot i think it is a good pilot for what mm-hmm. this show is i'm just wondering if there is more and different and more subtle stuff to come, mm-hmm. or if it will just be this. Right. Yeah, that's a good question. I do think, though, that the way that this pilot has been shot, I would have a lot of faith mm-hmm. in whoever is directing this show. It seems like this is uh, an experienced hand. It's stylistic, but um, I think it goes beyond that as well. Yeah. It's definitely, yeah, it's beautiful and pretty. It's, yeah. I think it's the cinematography they've got, the fight choreography yeah. they've got, the acting, everything I've seen so far is pretty well done. And the plotting, the plotting and the writing, like the actual dialogue, uh, and, and the plot structure. I'm interested just to see what they do with mm-hmm. that. I think that like one of the weak points of this pilot would be this uh, concept of barons and the one that we're introduced to in particular. I think that that plot, plot line, um, is the weakest of, of what we see and considering it seems to be one of the backbones of this world that we've been shown. Yeah. I think that either needs to be strengthened or, yeah. well, it needs to be strengthened. You can't get rid of it considering yeah, yeah, yeah. it's, it's a weight bearing load. <laughs> no, no, it definitely needs to be strengthened. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. There's a couple of questions, unanswered questions there. All right. Um, I think so. Yeah. 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 They're, they're just like, why is there no guns? Why? Yeah. You know, uh, where do these people come from? You know, and <laughs> he's not a particularly likable Baron, but he's not really terrible either. So I, I think they just need to do more to make that. No, he's terrible. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we don't see that in the first episode. In this pilot, well, in this pilot, we know that, you know, boys are being trained to become killers and obviously that you can't defect or you are killed, but we don't see any of that kind of hardship or um, ruthlessness, even though we know obviously it's coming from the Baron. I think the way that that, that storyline was depicted in, in this pilot was a bit weak, but I think that's the only, well, the only major criticism really I could throw at it. Yeah. I think it was the weakest plot line, is what I'm saying, I think. Okay. Alright, so um, Thriller Thriller, you really watch more of this? What do you think? Well, considering I've just been given homework to watch more oh, yeah. of this, then oh, yes. Thriller. I think I would anyways. I'd give it a shot. It looks mm. it looks interesting. Yeah, and it's an easy watch. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Sean? I like this show and mm. the fighting that happens in it. Mm. Thriller. Thriller. Thriller for me as well. Yeah. They get quite inventive with their fighting. And are killing. I thought they were pretty inventive with their fighting and their oh, killing in this episode. Very inventive. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so next up we have the second of our TV, which is the Expanse. Sean, in the second, tell us about this. <laughs> yeah, in the second of our TV shows, which opens with "In a World," uh, the Expanse is a science fiction show where Earth and Mars uh, are separate uh, colonies of humankind. 
And in the middle of it all is the belt, where belters live, uh, getting precious minerals and mostly ice, because water is more valuable than gold or anything else. Uh, so there's interesting politics between all of these groups. There is the threat of war hanging throughout, and also the much maligned belters uh, are being uh, kind of destroyed simply by living in space for generations and having these distended bodies. So what we're following is essentially a missing persons case where Thomas Jane plays a detective, a kind of crooked one, but maybe he's got a heart of gold, but maybe he's a shitbag. And he is on the hunt to find this important daughter of uh, a politician, wherever it is that she may be on the belt. We also deal with the, the crew of a mining ship who may become very important to the previously mentioned storylines also. Mark. Yes, Steve. What do you think? I am the right man for this kind of show. I have watched Star Trek, Star Trek The Next Generation, Star Trek Deep Space Nine, Star Trek Voyager, that Star Trek thing we watched during the week, which was some kind of a Kickstarter. Um, I also watched lots of other things like Stargate, Battle Stargate Atlantis, Stargate Continue, watched Battlestar Galactica back in the 70s and again when it came around this year. But I fucking hate this. <laughs> I hate it. There isn't a single interesting person anywhere on the screen. Um, let's, let's spin a few positives about this so people don't think that I'm, I'm all against it. But uh, I like the setting, right? I like the way they portrayed space and space flight and all that stuff. I thought that was interesting. Um, and it kept, kept me kind of immersed, I guess. It wasn't, um, you know, it wasn't so, like the, the Star Trek, um, setting is very, very far in the future. And sometimes things can get a bit weird and it's hard to, to not have the immersion broken for you. But I think this was a bit more, a bit more petrol and diesel going on in this one that, um, Mad Max that in kept, the sky. Yeah. A little bit. Yeah. They kept me hooked in. So I like that. Um, I didn't think, there were some of the finest actors I've ever seen in this show. Um, and I think that didn't help overall. But by and large, I just found the plot line uh, something that I've seen a lot of times before in different settings. And I didn't think the setting itself, though, though good, was enough to make it interesting for me. Yeah. I think I'd agree with you. I think the show was... I found it re- overall my, my impression is that it was really boring. I mean, there was too many plot lines and none of them were interesting enough to 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 get into or to be drawn into the show by like you said the the concept is interesting but um i don't think the set is particularly good either uh i don't think there's enough clarity between um you know our mars world our earth world these belt people this guy with the hat running around i just i don't understand <laughs> i finished the episode and i was just like what just happened yeah. i think sean's description of the pilot was a thousand times more clear than the actual pilot. I, I will say that I did get my information from the pilot. <laughs> well done, Sean. Well, there's a detective looking for a girl. There's a bunch of dudes transporting ice for money. And then there was some terrorists and politics. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Seems to be the three plot points. <laughs> Wasn't particularly interested in any of them, really. Yeah. But uh, the 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 crew who were doing the the ice transportation I kind of was interested in that because it, that was as close as it got to I don't know 
you know, uh, the other space ex- exploration shows that we've seen in the past. <laughs> yeah. You know, where, oh, there's a Mayday thing. Oh, we go there and discover stuff. And then, oh, something happens. And, oh, how we get out of this? So, from that yeah, point of view, yeah. I was like, oh, that could be interesting. And then it wasn't. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I think I need to see a, a second one. Really? Yeah, I think it might be just a bad pilot. And if they're following the books, it might be, that might be the case. Did you read the books? No. Oh, okay. But I've read reviews. Okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah, because this guy is, um, yeah, he's recommended to someone on uh, under who's recommended, uh, um, what's his name? Game of Thrones dude. George, George. R. R. Martin? Yeah, yeah. Recommended. Really? Uh, this story. Yeah, yeah. I think that's very, um, I was going to say brave, but I think actually you're just a glutton for punishment if you don't like a show and that makes you watch more of it. <laughs> well, yeah. You see, I want to like it so bad. No, it's not. Yeah. It's, it's because it's a, it's a, it's the only serious. Remember, we're just talking about. This is what I meant to talk to about earlier. Remember the serious and the comedic and the, the yeah, juvenile the or whatever. Mm-hmm. The tone of it. This is probably the first reasonably serious one that we've seen in a while. Right. Because, like, since Battlestar Galactica, I mm. Because if you look at the others, there, there's a couple of Star Trek clones and so on. But then there's what did we watch recently? Killjoys, which just was was kind of crap. It was make it, like you said, Nickelodeon. Yeah. More than you know, serious sci-fi. So. Um, so yeah, I, I'm going to give it another, another go. And I guess based on that, I have to give it a thriller, but it wasn't that thriller. <laughs> yeah. well, what about the episode has, has made you want to see more? Um, where do you see potential? Um, I see potential because they, they've obviously put money into it. This is sci-fi is obviously invested hard into this because it's not a cheap looking, you know, series by any means. Okay. The CGI stands up, the setting stands up, although it's a bit too leaning towards Blade Runner. Um, for the detective stuff, you know. So, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, it's a, there's a I, you know I saw hope there. <laughs> <laughs> I saw potential, <laughs> and uh, yeah, I, I hope it 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 does that. It might know, be a slow but, burner yeah. pilot. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Anyone else willing to give it another episode? No. Um, I would like to review this one. I'm ready. Like I'm 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 ready to go. Um, tell us. This is really good looking. Mm-hmm. This whole pilot is really like. From how much they spent on Tom Jane's hat, like all the way to <laughs> the ship exteriors and yeah. the space flight scenes. I really like the sets themselves, the actual like metal, the things that you can see them touching in the thing, like the designs of what they have being very close to Earth now, but all, like understandable. Like there's even a bit where there's a stretcher and the stretcher is like differently designed in a way that makes a lot of sense. And I was just like, yeah, fuck yeah stretchers are going to look different. Fuck yeah, they will. Like, I, I was really liking things like that. And there's a, a bit where we get to see a cityscape in Earth, I believe it's New York, where I was like, this is New York and also is not. And I'm not really able to pick out which bits they've changed. Like, I can see the you're, more futuristic you know shit, but it doesn't look any less real. You're dead right. I, I even paused it to see if mm. I could if I could recognize any. I was like, nah, don't recognize any of them. But I know where it is, you know, by the shape of the mm-hmm. island. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it was very mm-hmm. cool, actually. And there, there's another really, like, beautiful bit where... So they've thought it through, and maybe having the books as their template, you know, has helped with this. But the strange, long-boned bodies of these uh, belters who've been, like, you know, inside this culture of being oppressed uh, for so long, and you can see it. In, like, if, like, there's a bit where we see one of them at Earth and he can't lift his arms. 
yeah. because he do, he's not used to gravity. Um, and I really like that. And there's a scene where a bird is flying and having a great old time because it, it does like flap, 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 float for a second, flap, 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 float <laughs> for, and that was just really pretty. So I really like that about the show. Um, uh, and the music everywhere, I think the music helped a lot with it. Like some of it is a little bit like generic space music for tension, but I like when they use it. Like I, I'm enjoying it. And there are other samples of things from like maybe closer to our time are, are interesting as well. So what that really brings us to is plot and character. I didn't find the plot that difficult to really get. Um, uh, and I think what's what's dangerous and maybe this is is what is happening but what's dangerous is that they try and do their plot to really drive a theme and then the plot becomes a little unintelligible because they're not actually caring about the machinations of a leads to b and b leads to c and c leads to d that is that is possible but that's not what i was getting from it um because at the end of the day and i was really interested in multiple characters in this do you remember Jonathan Banks from uh, Better Call Saul and Breaking Bad is a captain mm-hmm. uh, in it? So there's this there's this really interesting scene because there there's a walk and talk that happens that they did very I thought it very well showed us the scope of the ship that they were in, and it was driving character relationships uh, for who one of apparently one of uh, the main characters. He walks through a bunch of different people, a bunch of different jobs, and I'm like, cool, I know the world, I know that character now because of how they're acting cool next and then we meet the captain and that's always like a thing usually right that's usually okay sci-fi show on a spaceship let's see what the captain is and i loved it the fucking looper and he has (laughs) the poor fucking guy and he has this line um which sure is maybe a little on the nose but jonathan banks can you know him in a paper bag could probably do waiting for gato um he he had that line, you know, we're so far out into the black, why didn't we bring more light with us? And at the end of the day, I think it really is just a show about how do, how are people, how do people behave when they're out here surrounded by nothing but darkness and don't necessarily have to care about other people, whether because of their status or their, where they're from or, or other things like of that nature or their abilities, their skill sets, etc. Um, and I really like how that's applied to the, um, acting XO, um, Jonathan Banks's character, um, and Tom Jane's. Cause he's a complete, like, hide, uh, hiding, like, where he's from and his roots. And he acts like he is completely okay with being a shitbag. And then obviously we see, like, his moral, you know, quarrels with some of his actions and some of their qu- consequences. And I just really liked, I think he's got a lot of charisma as an actor. And I think that that came through in an interesting way to me. Like he, at one point he punishes a guy in a very like non police way. Like he literally says, there's no law here, just cops. (laughs) Uh, And he has this, that great moment where he has like some really snippy, shitty lines to a guy whose life he has just threatened really nonchalantly. And I like that. Like I'm interested. It's a little tropey. Like he's a cop who drinks too much. Sure. Yeah. But I think that there, I can imagine a lot of different scenes, plots that would be interesting with what they've built up, which is something that, you know, in class we're always told, if you're pitching a TV show, can you make 100 episodes out of it? Because that's what networks want. They want 100 episodes. They can syndicate the show and it'll be on multiple channels in multiple countries for a very long time, constantly generating revenue. 
that's when TV shows really start to make money. So I can see that here. Like I'm not not necessarily saying it's going to happen. You know, it's obviously a big risk. You know, they've spent so much money uh, on a sci-fi show. I think their most expensive pilot. And I'm, but I'm in. Like I'm in. I am mm-hmm. interested in seeing where this is going to go. I do think there are problems with the show. Yeah. Like there, there is a kind. There's a little bit of bluntness to, to their pilot structure. You know, it's like this thing is this. Okay, we're going to show you one scene with this uh, female character we've just introduced. Okay. Do you get that? Okay. You like her? Cool. Okay. Now we're going to show you her acting very differently. Do you get it? Do you get the juxtaposition? All right. Cool. Yeah. All right. Now we're going to show you some other characters. These are the ones that are important. We know that you can see us telling you that, but just like, don't worry about it, please. Like, if you could just like pretend that we're not really shoving them in front of you and going, this is important for later. This is important for later. So there's a little bit of problems like that, but because it was so pretty, I didn't really... I didn't really care. I was like, yeah, keep on trucking. Tell me else who's who else is important. Is it that handsome person? I bet it is. <laughs> Sounds like you're sold. Mm-hmm. Well, sold, mm-hmm. on, sold on a second episode at least, anyway. Yes, at least a second episode. Mm. Okay, cool. So, Shona. Filler, filler. This is filler for me. I didn't get any of that magic that you saw, Sean. Sean, thriller. Mark. Thrilling it out. Filler all the way for me as well, <laughs> Steve. <laughs> I'm going to give it a thriller because I have to watch more of it uh, because I'm, uh, yeah, on the fence. <laughs> well, <laughs> not on the fence, just see potential. Uh, so, yeah, uh, I've got to go with that. Come back to us and let us know if you think that potential is filled. Yeah, yeah. Well, you guys, actually, I'd yeah, like to hear. Like to know. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, second of our movies was uh, Creed, Sean. Following on from the uh, a continuance of the Rocky film series, uh, Creed follows the son of Apollo Creed, uh, Apollo being one of the most famous uh, and greatest boxers of all time, falling, uh, dying uh, in the ring in Rocky Three, I believe. Spoilers. Um, and he has a son uh, who we see at the beginning of the movie struggling with whether he's going to have a quote-unquote normal life or if he's going to go against his mother's wishes and be the fighter that he thinks he knows he can be. And it kind of goes from there. Mm. Are you guys excited about this movie? I know it comes out in Ireland in January. Out in January, yeah. I, I'm I excited don't know. about it. Tell us, should we be? I think it seems like it'll be like a good uh, popcorn film. You know, I always say that my um, my ranking for whether I'm expecting to enjoy a film is whether or not I would get popcorn when I'm going to the cinema for it. And I could see this being a popcorn worthy film, mm. just for mm. a bit of and- for a bit of crack. And Mark, I know that you're you're big into the Rocky series. Can I ask, like, what would you want this film to be like? What are your hopes? I would like it to be like Rocky One or Rocky Balboa. Well, I think Shona and Mark will be very happy with this movie. Um, I almost wanted to disagree with you and say it's not a popcorn movie because some people would take that. I mean, you have a very specific meaning behind that, Shona, but some people would take that to mean like mindless, like fluff. You know, you watch it, you're happy, you leave, you never think about it again. Yeah. This movie is a deeply personal film. Um, like, it is genuinely about a son struggling to know his father, even though he can't. Like, he's his father is gone. And, uh, he, you know, he also, you know, Apollo... Apollo 
had a kid and didn't have a relationship with him and then he died. Like this is, you know, this is a story of a kid who's has all the options in the world. Like it's Apollo Creed died fucking rich and famous. Like that's the case. So he has all the options in the world. He could do anything. He could ride on his father's reputation. He could do all these things, but he doesn't like what he, all he wants is to be in the fight. He wants to be the greatest. He wants to prove it to someone who he can never talk to. And he wants to prove it to himself. He wants to prove it to everybody. And we see this struggle in really interesting visual, physical ways. This has really, really good cinematography. Like, when I say that, I don't even mean like they do as good of a job as the Rocky movies. This is fucking way beyond that. Really? They man, yeah, they managed to come up with some structures and sequences that mean that they can move beyond and do the best version of we see reactions of people watching the fight as well as seeing the fight. Because that's pretty much what we get with like these kinds of boxing movies. And I'm not saying they don't do that. What I'm saying is we get to see a couple of new takes on that. Um, it's also from everyone uh, I know who's seen it and uh, a reviewer to I've seen online and my own opinion, whatever that would count for. It's real fucking boxing. His hands are moving that fast. He is keeping his guard up constantly. And when he doesn't, he gets fucking punched. Like it's really visceral. I fuck, I, people were ooh and an an in the cinemas. Like there was a lot of, oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> whoa. Like it was fucking, it, the feeling you want is to root for someone in this really difficult situation. And you get that constantly throughout this film in pretty much every oh, scene, including the training. It's got real heart um, to it then, like you'd expect from a Rocky film. So much heart. Like it's, it's, oh. so let's talk about the performances because there's two, I think, Oscar nomination worthy ones. Wow. In this movie. Really? The first is from Michael B. Jordan, who does an amazing job because he's not like, his character isn't like a super talkative, like Muhammad Ali type thing. Like he's got confidence and a little bit of arrogance. But he's not like, he's not a jabber jaw. So it's all happening in his movements. It's happening in how he runs, in, in like how he fights. It's happening in the look in his eyes when he trains and what he's, what he says, but really what he's, what's happening while he's saying it. He has a love story, uh, yeah, who in she? this film. Actually. Yeah. Um, so I wasn't really cognizant as a human being when Rocky, uh, won was a thing. Yeah. So I have a really strange perspective on it because I probably the one I, I the one I've seen most recently and the one that I have the best recall of is Rocky Balboa, which was you know uh, a story of Rocky getting back in the ring one last time after you know he's lost Adrian, who was you know as far as I know like you know the light in his world like that was his you know this is his one last big hurrah. So now imagine Rocky after that. Yeah. Um, so there, there's like that is hanging over the other character relationships in it because it's, it's like, it's really clear, um, that in this film, it's not that it's about, uh, Creed and the fighting. And then there is a girl who supports him. It is very much that they both have talents in very different areas and their relationship has conflict from both of those areas and maybe how much they put one before the other. And also the fact that. He's a fighter and sometimes he can't stop fighting. Um, 
so that's I'm really I, I was really interested in that. Like I, I was genuinely it was cool. And they talk like real people who are that age uh-huh. in a real world. Okay. So that's like I really appreciated that. Like he's re- so like there's a date scene, for example, and it's kind of awkward. Like it's fairly awkward, and it's clear that he's like not gonna dazzle her with his weight at any point. So they just have a conversation. Like it's he t- he says things, she says it's really good. I, I'm a big fan, and he carries that really well. Uh, and the relationship with the mother, he pulls that off. Like you can see how much he cares without him ever having to say anything about it. You know. Mm-hmm. So Michael B. Jordan. I would put money on him to get nominated. I have no idea wow. when he's going to win. Wow. The next, the next performance. Sylvester Stallone made, uh, at least one cinema full of people weep. Wow. Um, so he's, he hasn't in his own films for the past few years been called upon to do much acting. Like he's done the Expendables movies. He's done other fucking movies. And yeah, he's done solid jobs on occasion. Sometimes he phones it in. Sometimes he's just having a laugh with the lads. There is not a moment in this movie where he is not Rocky. Hmm. And he gets put through the fucking ringer because he has this person. And we've seen some of this in the trailer, right? We, we, he has this person come to him asking really specific questions about one of his best friends and wanting Rocky to like be invested in him. You know, we, uh, we want it. And he's literally like, look, you know who I am. You, like, you owe me. Like, I want this. And he's like, look, your dad died in the ring. Do you really want me? Do you think I can be the guy who puts you back into it? Who puts his son in that ring. And it's a real meditation on family because he's a coach. He's playing the Mickey role in this. He can't be anything but a father figure, even though he's not necessarily accepting the role. Maybe because think about his relationship with his own son, not the greatest. We know from Rocky Balboa that they've had problems and it's not like he is a guy who's able to really emote verbally either. So there are some great, funny, humorous Rocky like scenes, um, where he's clearly not a man of the world. Like there's, he has no idea about technology. Like th- these are two people on completely opposite spectrums. You've got a young, rich, black kid. Uh, who's 24, 25, and you've got this really fucking old Italian as fuck stallion. And he's just like, whoa, whoa, what's going on? Whoa. And there's some really funny shit like that. But he, he breaks my heart as someone whose life has already happened, who's kind of starting to either accept that or maybe just, it's like he's starting to stop fighting. Right. It's like he's finally like stopping fighting and maybe his heart's just not in anything anymore and their interactions and their interplay are the core of the film and not only is that really well written but like if there were dry eyes in the house it was because some people had emotional lobotomies when they were younger and ran into a kitchen (laughs) table really really fucking good um the last the last thing uh i would say is it is so people are wondering like is it a rocky movie yeah. Like how much Rocky shit happens in this movie. Is there a montage? And is there, you know. Yeah, there is, is there, a training montage. Uh, they're so okay. aware. They're so aware of the Rocky stuff that for me, and again, I, I would be coming from a different point than a lot of other people. But for me, it was never too much. Okay, we're doing this joke that they did in Rocky. Do you guys get it? Okay, we're going to do another one in about 10 minutes. There was never any like BS like that. 
right? Right. Um, there was just like jokes that make perfect sense, references like that the audience gets, even if like uh, Michael B. Jordan's uh, Adonis Creed, Donny, even if he doesn't get it. And then the, the, the most iconic thing people think of when they think of Rocky could never be like they could have made a really dumb mistake and just taken the, the first thought, best thought option with how can we make the Rocky moment happen? And they didn't do that. But they did an amazing, contemporary, emotional, musical, non-verbal, incredibly well-acted sequence where Michael B. Jordan, like, he's my Rocky. Like, I will remember him completely outside of the Rocky mythos as well. In that moment, I, I'll be literally like, I fucking want this kid to succeed. Yeah. So they, they pull it off. Like, they fucking pull it off. If they were to stick with this creative team, the guy who directed Fruitvale Station, Michael B. Jordan, and Stallone, if they could stick with that team, I would happily watch another four of these movies. Wow. Fantastic. Yeah. Wow. I'm fucking in. And I hate that I built it up this much because I really don't <laughs> want to disappoint people who love Rocky so much. But I genuinely think it is that good. Wow. Hmm. Is this something, could this be our first Rocky movie? Maybe. Like, I, like, yeah, like, even, oh, I just felt like I was there with him. You know what I mean? Like, I really was just fucking like, come on, do it. <sighs> In almost every cool. sequence where anything mattered. But, but, and you, I laughed. But, I laughed so much. You could just dip in, like, if you haven't seen the other Rocky movies, you could just dip into this, could be, make this your first one. Did you um, to, did you could definitely it yeah, could definitely be a new generation's rocky like yeah, it's very okay. contemporary the story the story and the stories that they're telling okay i think that how much rocky is in the ethos and in the zeitgeist mm. people already know a fair amount mm, true. so i think that that would like would help as well mm. i would suggest what mark said watch rocky one just the first rocky yeah which is pretty dated at this point so if you haven't ever seen it before it might look it looks kind of funny in some places where it yeah. isn't supposed to be yeah and maybe watch rocky balboa just maybe just to set yourself up because they're they you know they're worth watching yeah cool cool I th- now I now i extra can't wait to see this, yeah, this is definitely <laughs> a popcorn like, movie yeah, I see yeah. <laughs> is it january yet give us a mark this is very easily a nine out of ten. Oh wow, wow. two nines this week jeez wow two, we're, we're getting into oscar contention season yeah i'm wondering be, if we're yeah. gonna see sir sharonan up there as well or brooklyn Don't i think you'll see both up there yeah yeah true uh, yeah, well, judging by the reviews, it, yeah, mm-hmm. it must be, it must mm-hmm. be contenders. It's a good week for film on the podcast. Yeah, <sighs> right. Um, okay, cool. Um, next up, we'll look at some previews. We'll come to buy store near you. So the first one is Captain American Civil War, where Captain America and his buddy kicked seven sorts of shit out of Iron Man. (laughs) 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 That's what it seems to be about. Um, Yeah, It's about the Civil War storyline from Marvel Comics. Tell us about Uh, that. So, in the comics at least, there is an instant where a superhero team, a neophyte superhero team, tried to take on a supervillain who's way above their pay grade because they're on a reality TV show and they want to keep it interesting. That supervillain uses his powers to escape and in doing so uh, blows up a school, kills a whole bunch of children. Um, The US government goes, wait a minute, superheroes can kill people? And decide that because they're essentially weapons, they need to be registered. 
And if you want to go out and be a superhero, you need to be, you know, on the side of yeah. the government, I guess, the people. So in the comics, at least, Tony Stark is the face of that. That's Spider-Man. And Captain America believes in freedom of speech and superheroing and believes they shouldn't have to be registered. And that's just what Adolf Hitler was trying to do. Um, right. So like a lot of, a lot of comic book storylines, it's a, just a brilliant reason for people that you wouldn't have thought would have gotten a fight to get in a fight. And it looks like that what's happening in the film is running fairly parallel to that. And it looks amazing. What a great trailer. I am so pumped already. Aside from the fact that you can't punch someone with a steel helmet with your hand and expect to be okay after it. <laughs> um, but aside from that, it looks amazing. Yeah, yeah it, it, it looks so good. It does. It looks like a lot of fun. But, that, but that like scene. you say, that's, that's, the, that's my main problem with superhero movies is when, you know, you can't have two superheroes fight, really, and... Because you know, you know what, what the outcome is going to be, right? Pretty much, you know, especially when they're both good. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's true. But there, there's a beautiful line in the trailer where um, Captain America and Iron Man are talking, and I think Captain America is beating up Iron Man, and he's just like, you know, buddy's buddy's my friend, and then Iron Man's like, yeah. Bucky. I, Bucky, sorry, <laughs> buddy. I'm thinking of Elf. We're into Christmas season now. Yeah. Um, and then Iron Man's like, I used to be your friend too. And it's yeah. like heartbreaking. You're like, no. But it's such rubbish though. In the films, they weren't friends. Like, Well, there was always like a friendly animosity, you know. Uh, fair, yeah, you could, you could say that, I guess. But I, I always took it that they just didn't like each other much. They worked together. They were like work colleagues that, they, that didn't <laughs> like each other. Right. Yeah. Well, you know, like I, everyone I, has been in a team with someone they don't like. You can work with them, but you're not going to be asking them for dinner. Like, I, think, I, thought, I thought that's a, how they were. Maybe that was just me. In Avengers 1, there's, I think, quite clear animosity. But the whole thing of Avengers 1 is that a bunch of people are like, okay, I don't necessarily trust or like you. But that develops over the course of it. Like one of, one of the really interesting, uh, like unnoticed moments in Avengers 1 is when Tony, in my opinion, the leader of the team gives Cap the decision-making power once they get to the final battlefield in New York. He literally just goes, Cap, call the play, which is him. Instead of going, you ca- like you take orders from S.H.I.E.L.D., you're like, I'm going to just do my own shit by myself because I'm Tony Stark. He literally goes, Cap, tell us what to do. This is your fucking show. I trust you to run it because they've built up that trust over the course of the movie. Avengers 2, besides the whole scene where everyone tries to pick up Thor's Famer and they seem fairly buddy-buddy in general, like, there's more animosity between Tony and Thor in that movie and in that scene than there is between Tony and Cap. Like, they have a couple of conversations in Avengers Age of Ultron that hint towards Civil War, but it's, to me, it's just they have ideological differences about how to solve problems as opposed to they still dislike each other. I do agree they could have done more work, but I think it's just the nature of it being films instead of it being like comics or TV show or anything where they really have that scope of time. Um, so, like, I, I, I see what you're saying, Mark, but I, I don't know. For me, it's still, it still gets me there. Like, it, I, I'm still like, oh, shit, they fought side by side. They are also brothers in arms, but Cap is picking his old life again over his new life, which we thought he was done with doing at the end of Avengers Age of Ultron. Like, Avengers, you trying to get me back in the world? Avengers 2, stop living in the past. Like, what the fuck? And I love that they've made it a personal conflict. It's, it may not have anything to do with any, you know, bonds, explosions, superheroes, supervillains. It might just be, 
hey, Cap, are you hiding a fucking murderer? The Winter Soldier. But he was brainwashed. Okay, he needs to stand trial because he murdered a bunch of fucking people. <laughs> he's like, but he's my friend and he's not going to do that anymore. Trust me, I know him. And then Tony's like, we need limits. We have to have some kind of limitation. Because when you don't have limitations, you know what you do? You invent Ultron and you fuck up the world. Whose side were you on in Civil War when it was in the comics, Sean? They played me like a fucking fiddle. When Spider-Man was with Iron Man, which in the comics is who he starts out with, I was with Iron Man. And when Spider-Man switched sides, I switched sides. So you were on Spider-Man's side, basically. I always trust him. I always trust him to make whatever decisions <laughs> was, he needs. I was, I was on, on Team Stark. Mm. God, I love All the way through, because, like, of course you have to fucking train people. I know so many idiots. There are so many gobshites in the world. Imagine if they could fire laser beams. Holy fuck, like. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The idea, I mean, the idea that those people can just pull on shades, call it a costume, and go out and try and solve crimes is just ridiculous. <laughs> like, yeah. I've, I've worked with guys who've been in, involved in security. One guy I labeled Mr. Furious because he could not control his temper. Imagine if he was like the Hulk. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I, I'm, I'm really interested, like, it's a Captain America film, so I imagine it's going to be very sympathetic towards Cap. I'm really interested mm. to see how they play that, because it's, it's one of the better storylines to come out of Marvel in recent years, I think. Mm-hmm. I love that you guys are just so invested in this, you know, <laughs> and you have all the background knowledge and so on. <laughs> I think it's hilarious. Um, I'm big like, in. Like, I'm how, big how, in. How many, how, how many years of, of comics would, would have been in that for? Like uh, in, in the in the history, one, that, uh, less one. Well, it was, it was yeah. So I think it happened back in two thousand and six. They had an eight part series. Oh, it's that, that was called Civil War. It's that but for about oh for about six months. Almost every comic had a Civil War storyline and a Civil War banner because literally every superhero had to make the decision: Am I going to register or am I going to become a fugitive and a renegade? Which then led into New Avengers having a, a relaunch, Secret Avengers, like a bunch of comics about a world post the Registration Act. So it had far-reaching implications, but the event itself you could read in one sitting if you just buy the Civil War trade paperback. Hmm. Oh, okay. Hmm. One thing yeah. I have to say about the Captain America film series is that I am constantly confusing them with the Avengers and where we are with characters and storyline like should are the films released in sequence so that when we see an avengers and then a captain america then another avengers and a captain america are they following on sequentially like that or are we jumping yes. in time no they're following yes i mean there is an amount of time between them which each film gets to decide but you never have a film released that takes place after another film that is yet to be released like it's always like iron man 3 uh, or like avengers 2 uh, Ant-Man, and then Marvel Civil War, and then Thor Ragnarok, and then and those things will impact other movies sometimes. Okay. That's that's the one thing I find out. There's just so many Marvel films, and I can hear Mike bitching about that in my ear. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but there's... I, I love the films, but I really... I have difficulty telling the franchises apart because right. it's all the Marvel Universe to me now and I, I couldn't tell you when what happens I see each of the films and you remember the plot and you're like oh that was great and then it's like wait was that Captain America was that Iron yeah, Man was yeah, that Avengers yeah. well you could just watch the Captain America movies if you really only wanted to understand like Civil War I think they're going to make sure 
that you only need to have seen Civil War. And they probably just presume everyone's seen the Avengers movies at yeah. this point. Yeah. They're just like, fuck it, you've seen them. Yeah. We know. Give us your money. Okay, it sounds like we're all excited about this, uh, but only because Mike's yeah. not here. That's <laughs> <laughs> true. <laughs> um, okay, the next one we looked at was uh, Moonwalkers, which is about how the moon landings were faked, apparently. By, mm-hmm. uh, and this stars Ron Perlman. So, uh, and Rupert Grint and Robert Sheehan. Yeah, but Ron Perlman's in it. <laughs> yeah. Yes, that's Ron true. Ron Perlman is the guy, all right? Yeah, he is the guy, that's bit, true. I'd, I'd be watching this. Yeah, <laughs> This looks kind of cool, actually. Um, looks... Um, Looks fun. It does, yeah. Doesn't it? Yeah. What's your man's name Not from sure. Harry Potter? Rupert Grint. Rupert Grint. And then we have Robert Ron, Sheehan. Ron. Let's just call him Ron. Ron. Fuck it. Yeah. Ron Weasley's in this. And then Robert Sheehan, who was in Love Hate, uh, if you watched it, and also in uh, Misfits, so, if you watched yeah. it. The curly haired, yeah. sassy guy. That's right, yeah, yeah. The Robert Irish sass. So the Irish got, sass. So Stanley Kubrick. Uh, Yes. That, yeah. Yeah. God, yeah. It's so funny. Just the <laughs> the portrayal of them, you know. Yeah. So yeah, I can't wait to see this. This looks like a lot of fun. Yeah, because the, so the oh, sorry, cause this is about the yeah how they uh, apparently went about faking the moon landings mm-hmm. uh, back in the day. So yeah, yeah, and Pearlman goes to Rupert Grint and um, asks him to use his, I guess, Kubrick connections to make a film that fakes the moon landing. And Grant isn't friends with Kubrick. He gets Robert Sheehan to pretend to be Kubrick. So they kind of waste the money and they go spend the money and have lots of fun. Then Perlman finds out that it's not Kubrick and they have to kind of figure it out. And it just looks like hilarity ensues. Mm, yeah. <laughs> and, and I really like that they just fucking went for it. They were just like, this is a true story. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It's like based on a true they story. Whatever they want. Was, yeah, uh, that's yeah. true. Yeah. That was a nice touch. I think <laughs> about the film. <laughs> what do you think of this, Mark? No, Steve, I've a really bad feeling about this, to be honest. Really? Um, I love Ron Perlman. I yeah. also like um, Sheehan, but Jesus, it just annoyed me from the get-go. Um, just didn't tickle my funny bone, Steve. Okay. It's, it's a taste thing, maybe. And like, who knows from a trailer if I'll find the film the same way. Yeah. Um, like, I, I wouldn't probably rule out watching it if it appeared on, you know, the podcast review list. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But aside from that, I probably wouldn't go looking for it. All right. Um, how about the next one? Pride, Prejudice, and Zombies. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Can't wait for this. <laughs> so excited. I, it definitely does what it says in the tin. Yes, it, yeah. it does. <laughs> oh my God. Like Elizabeth Bennett and, uh, why am I forgetting the most important Bennett sister? Um, I'm ruining all of my, um, Pride and Prejudice cred. Oh. Sorry, just, can't I help love you. Pride and Prejudice. Yeah. Anyways, that they're trained zombie fighters. <laughs> Are they going to go for romance or will they stick to uh, what they know best, fighting zombies? <laughs> I love it. They just like, because we, we see from the trailer dialogue that we would know from the book or previous films. Yeah, yeah. But it's spliced with like, but I must kill zombies, you know. You could just see them like walking around Mr. Darcy's room being like... It's refreshing, is it not? After sitting so long in one attitude to kill a zombie, you know, you're just like, what? They're killing zombies, but they sound so fancy. <laughs> Doctor Who's in this. Uh, Match Doctor Who. Yeah. Oh, Smith. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, who else is in this? Uh, Jack Hewson. Uh, Sam Riley. Um, there's probably all those that I recognize, really. Um, Suki Waterhouse. Um, oh, Lena Headley. Of course. Yeah, she's in it too. Oh, this, Cersei, yeah. Yeah, this looks hilarious. <laughs> it looks so good. Yeah. 
Yeah. I wouldn't be a fan of it normally, but uh, yeah. It, 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 I thought that you couldn't improve on Pride and Prejudice, but it turns out adding <laughs> zombies is the ingredient I never knew was missing. Yeah, I like the, the juxtaposition of it. Yeah. But the thing is that this looks actually like legit scary. My only concern about this film is that it's going to be too scary for me to watch. Right. <laughs> like, it's not like, isn't it hilarious? There's zombies. It's like, no, there's fucking zombies. Yeah. <laughs> and they're going to eat your brains. Yeah. Um, and there's a, a scene like that they show in the trailer of like zombie mom holding what I assume to be zombie baby, which at the moment just gets me like right in the heart zone. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, no, it's a zombie baby. That yeah. zombie baby had so much potential. And it looks like it's going to be really graphic. Yeah. It, so that's my only problem is it might be too scary for me. <laughs> John, do you think you'll watch this? Um, so while I'm, I understand that there's an importance to Pride and Prejudice, it's one of those things that every single iota of my being is just like boring. I don't care about you people and your problems. Holy fuck. Go onto a moor and just slap yourselves with a fish. I hate you guys. Um, Pride and Prejudice, not interested. Zombies, usually quite interested. So these two things are meeting in the middle in some kind of strange, tangled mass, and I was wondering which was going to win out. And the whole way through the trailer, I was just like, because they kept going back to the Pride and Prejudice shit all the way up to the moment, all the way up to the moment where they uh, combine the two, where you have narration that is basically Pride and Prejudice's like main issue except about zombies instead of about i don't know like freedom <laughs> and th- a guy gets his head chopped off from the point of view oh, yeah. of the zombie that's which awesome was really cool <laughs> if they do cool shit like that that has purpose and meaning then i'll be really invested except this is this was written this book was written and made i think by the same people who made uh, abraham lincoln vampire hunter oh and the movie for vampire hunter abe lincoln was not very good did you not like so that hang on hang on i, I, I did like show. it hang on. and I, thought, I liked it but it wasn't very good and mike loved and it I am, and mark loved it and i was told it was like brilliant. it was movie of the year nearly yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I'm, I'm calling you out. I'm but just sorry. saying that yeah. if they try and make if they try and make a non completely ridiculous and farcical version of this, which it seems they're trying to do, I'm not sure how that'll work because the Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter had a big wink every like 25 minutes or 30 minutes. It was just like, oh, can you believe this is Abraham Lincoln killing vampires? Whoa, hey! <laughs> I see. So I'm just I'm just wondering how this will fare if it's not doing all that winky stuff. Uh, yeah, I think that's a, a a good question in terms of audiences because big Pride and Prejudice fans like myself may not go for the zombie genre and people who are into the zombie genre may not be so into the fact that it's including Pride and Prejudice. However, maybe that'll it'll go the complete opposite way where it's going to get two demographics for the price of one. Yeah. Hmm. Which way will it end up? Who yeah. knows? <laughs> um, okay. Um, I think we're going to leave it there then. That's all we have for this week. That's all she wrote. That's all she's my got friend. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So from Mark, Sean, Sean, and Steve, stay classy. <laughs>